0: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Hi everyone, so I'm excited to get to these questions today because they're a little bit different than what we've had before. So the first one is about a toddler with sexual behavior. The second is about raising strong girls. So some new topics I haven't delved into very deeply before. I did have another question at one point about toddler sexual exploration, but it's not a common topic, and I think it's something a lot of parents have on their minds, just aren't sure how to ask, or if they haven't really come up against it yet, they don't know how to ask, what to ask, but would like to know what to do if they should encounter their young child engaging in sexual play. Now, I never wanna send any messages at all about shame around sexuality, but, parents just aren't fully comfortable or prepared to answer some questions, especially for the younger kids. So I always like to give the warning just in case that in this episode, I will be discussing some sexual terms. So if you aren't totally comfortable with your child hearing certain terms yet, or if it's something you aren't totally prepared to answer questions about, you may wanna listen privately with headphones or when you're alone for this episode. Because even the second question, we get into some deeper things and deeper questions that you may or may not be ready to address or answer questions with your children. So if you aren't doing so already, and this is something you're not quite ready for, you might wanna put on those headphones or listen later. Okay, so we're gonna to get to it. So the first question, hey Erin, parents of an 18 month old daughter, we enjoyed listening to your baby seat podcast and hope that Australia brings in those strict safety rules soon. In regards to our problem, our daughter is forward facing and won't stop thrusting her pelvis against the buckle part between her legs. I recall hearing on your podcast that even the fetus has been observed in the womb doing similar explorations, but was wondering if we could have further advice on how to stop it. We did try a bit of behavioral experiment where whenever she had her hand on the buckle and was thrusting, we dropped water on her until she took it off. Because it was not an idea given by an expert, we discontinued soon after. We also don't pay attention to her in the car while she's doing it. Either strategy has not stopped her doing it and we were contacting you to see if you knew any strategies we could try. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Delini and Brad. Okay, so this is a great question. This. Type of behavior is something that makes a lot of us adults uncomfortable. Most of us were raised with a lot of shame, secrecy around our sexuality. So just to share a few of my memories in this arena. Now, my poor parents, they did some things really, really well, but like most, especially 80s parents, they missed the boat on some things. It was a lot of how society was at that time, and I know my mom did a lot more for me in talking about serious subjects like this than hers ever did for her. And like most dads, my dad never talked about sex with us. That would have mortified him. He was kind, a warm man. He shared his love through action, through doing things making things for us, but not with words or sharing feelings and definitely not talking about taboo subjects. So it was all up to my mom. And I think my mom saw herself as a pretty open-minded and progressive at that time. And she probably was for that time. But I honestly don't remember her talking to me about sex at all but I do think she did give me one talk about the mechanics of how procreation works. I think I even remember her asking me if I had any questions, but it was a pretty vanilla talk and the feeling I got was, I'm trying to be really cool and confident about this, but please don't ask me too many questions. That's just a kind of the idea of the memory I have. There was no talk about sex for pleasure, about what an orgasm is, about self-care and consent. I certainly didn't feel comfortable going to her to ask about birth control. AIDS was becoming a big thing back when I was in late high school, uh, early college. And I remember her leaving an article on my bedside table with a note penciled in, let me know if you have questions. Again, the message I got, she preferred not to talk about this directly. Otherwise, I would have thought she would have handed the article to me, said something like, I'd like you to read this, and then I'd like to discuss it with you afterwards. I wanna make sure you understand about this disease and how to keep yourself safe. But it was just a very over, very quietly done, and so these were the messages that I got around sex and sexuality that we just don't talk about it. It's just a taboo. You need to know about it. We just aren't gonna talk about it. So the point is, We send messages about all kinds of things in the way that we handle them with our kids, whether it's subliminal or it's overt. Sex is one of those areas where it's tough not to pass on some of our hang-ups in the ways that we deal or don't deal with the subjects directly. I do cover sexual development and how to deal with this in toddlerhood in the class You're Developing Toddler. Also, I think in the You're Developing Preschooler class, it's pretty much the same. There isn't any change in development. It's exactly the same from toddlerhood to preschool in that time, I do know we need a class on how to talk to kids about sex during the tween and teen years as well. That is something I will be creating. Childhood, ages 5 to 10, tends to be a pretty latent period, not for all kids, but for most of them when it comes to any kind of sexual exploration and development, it gets pretty quiet during those years. In those ages, it's really more about us parents supporting and promoting a positive body image than anything else. So it's a little bit of background there, kind of covering a little bit of the gamut of the development through the ages, but I wanna get back to answering Brad and Delaney's question. So the answer is she's doing this because it feels good. So. And I know as adults, it's really hard not to differentiate sexual pleasure from other kinds of pleasure. But to a young toddler, it's just another body part that they figured out something that feels good. It's like a hug or back scratches. So at this young age, she's 18 months, so I would do your really best to just ignore it. She will very likely grow out of it. If she's still doing it when she's old enough to understand, Then you can coach her about things we do in private versus things we do in public. So once she's a bit older, if you have an older toddler, especially boys, they tend to play with their penises just kind of in general. Sometimes they're not even really paying attention to what they're doing. So we want to coach our toddlers and young children with some gentle reminders. I know it feels good to touch your penis or your vagina. You want to use the real words. We want to use the words for them. Don't make up anything like hoo-ha or wanky, I don't know, whatever words you would might use, use the real words because again if you use words that that are not the uh, the actual terms for them, it sends again a message of secrecy that it's cutesy, that it can't quite you know be adult enough, mature enough to actually say the word penis. So get comfortable with those terms. Penis, you can say vagina or vulva. Vulva is actually the actual scientific term, but we tend to use vagina as well and that's perfectly fine. So I know it feels good to touch your penis or your vagina, but that's a private activity. Then you can invite your child to go to their room. Now, children will rarely leave to go to their room. They usually just stop because they would rather play with their toys or watch their TV show or whatever it is that they were doing at the time. But if your child does choose to go to their room to explore, it's totally normal too. It's setting up a positive message around sexuality and pleasuring ourselves, but also some boundaries around where and how we do this. If you're feeling really uncomfortable with this idea, I recommend exploring it within yourself. What's that about? It's most likely societal messages, family messages that we've absorbed throughout the years, and there's tons of them, and most of us have them, at least to some degree. If you feel you would like to work on addressing any discomfort or shame you may have around your sexuality, there are some great, great resources. Now, of course, therapy is one great resource to really get in and dig in on a personal level. There's also some great books, just a couple I recommend, Beyond Shame, Creating a Healthy Sex Life on Your Own Terms, and another book, Shameless, A Case for Not Feeling Bad About Feeling Good About Sex. I also love Love the work of Esther Perel. She mostly delves into maintaining desire in long term relationships, but she also has some amazing things to say about connecting with our erotic selves because she says that we need to connect with ourselves before we can connect well with our partners and the role of society in shaping our hang up. So she's got some great video snippets on Instagram. She talks again a lot about relationships and relating to others, but she also talks about how we interrelate with each other sexually and how we view ourselves and and the societal messages we've gotten can affect that. So she's an amazing resource. She's done tons of lectures, talks at Google, at SXSW, TED Talks, and more. So if she sounds like someone you're curious about learning more about her ideas, definitely look her up. And it's pronounced Esther, but it's like Esther. She's actually a therapist specializing in couples therapy. Now, I think she is even more focused on couples who are dealing with infidelity, but she is Belgian by birth. She has this really amazing accent. It's a French type accent. So she says infidelity. I can't quite say it the way she does, but she has this really, I love just listening to her talk. She has a great accent. Okay, so enough about that. When we get back after a word from our sponsor, I'm going to go on to answer Julie's question about raising strong girls. And I actually have great advice for moms and dads of boys too. Hey, Parenting Beyond Discipline listeners, ready to create a home that fosters love, warmth, and style? Look no further than Home Threads, your partner in crafting a nurturing environment. and four different timer options so you can customize it to your home and your needs. Check out Puro Air at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. Puro Air is the only air filter that uses a HEPA 14 filter. That's getpuroair.com. Now that we're back from the break, let's get to Julie's question. She wrote, I would also like to suggest a topic for a podcast and or class something along the lines of how to raise brave girls. I've been listening to some podcasts that discuss topics tangential to this, and I'm intrigued and want to hear more on the subject. I want to be aware of our my husband and my unconscious biases because she is a girl things like not saying be careful too much or telling her she's pretty and making it about her looks. I think it's very easy to fall into these societal norms and traps and I'd like some suggestions on what to be aware to avoid etc. So Julie has sent in quite a few questions and this is another great question from Julie. This is something I think about a lot as well because I do have a girl of my own This is another huge, wide, deep topic that bridges to how we raise our boys as well. How do we raise our boys to not just understand how prevalent and deeply rooted these beliefs are about girls and women, but how do we allow our boys not to be boxed in by their own societal norms? Boys who show emotions are weak, or men who care for children or take time off from work are not dedicated to their jobs. Men who stay home and take care of the kids aren't real men. Women will just want to have babies, so be careful about promoting them. All of these things, so many things that really hurt all of us, not just girls and women, but men and boys too. And this actually ties right back to the last question, right, about sex and sexuality. Women who are too sexual are sluts, right, they're, they're bad girls. Um, it's okay for men to be sexually overt, for men to pursue sex, it's not okay for women. All these messages that we get, it, it's, it's hurtful in relationships. When a woman struggles with sexual shame, it it affects men too. So these are all areas that affect women and men. And so supporting women in feeling empowered and in feeling strong and in in reaching their potential just helps all of us. So I'm really only going to get to scratch the surface on this here, but it's a really important conversation and some things to think about. So I want to give some good pointers for getting started with our kids, especially the young ones. But I'm going to give a few of my own experiences that I think all of us, men and women, could have hundreds of stories to share about our own boxes that we've put into, the things that we've seen about the way each other is treated. Um, But I remember when I was really pregnant with the twins, it was probably like a month away, and I asked my husband about taking leave from work. And I don't know state laws everywhere except here in California, but men are entitled to family leave just like women are when they have a baby that's born. And I think there's a certain number of paid full salary weeks. So I think we get two weeks and then you can take another additional so many weeks that's partially paid. If you want to take it partial, if you want to dip into vacation, you can. So I asked if he could take a month because we had a 20 month old toddler and we were about to have twin newborns. He worked for an entertainment company at that time, Universal. Hollywood, we know, tends to be pretty cutting edge and progressive in these types of ways. He said... I can't. I would be seen as someone who's not dedicated to my job. The laws may be there, but it's just not done. Men just don't take that kind of time. I could probably take a week or two. This was a wake-up call that laws are no laws, if the culture doesn't change, if it doesn't support it, the pressure is still there to behave in certain ways. Would he have lost his job? No. Would he have been passed up for a promotion over the guy who didn't take leave? Very possibly. Would he get a smaller annual raise? Very possibly. Another quick anecdote. We were in our lawyer's office. We were updating our trust after the twins were born. My business is in the trust. And so we were putting that in the trust at the time. The lawyer asked me, she asked me, what do I do? And asked me about my business. And I remember just in general at that time feeling like a baby making machine because I had just delivered twins, I think a month or two earlier. I was... I felt like I was pretending to be a smart business person at that time, the company hadn't even launched, I was still just creating the classes, I was trying to take care of kids, there was no website yet, no podcast, obviously no customers, I had been blown up the size of a bullet train and deflated. Now I was trying to get everything together to build and launch my parenting website. I had no idea if it would be successful or not. So my self-esteem as a business person was pretty non-existent at that point but I mustered up my best strength in my voice to share my vision and began to explain about my business. And my husband just interrupted me within a sentence or two and made some joke. It wasn't about me, it wasn't about the business. He wasn't putting me down. It was something random, probably related to the previous topic, I think. I was so angry. And he's a really supportive, very kind person. This was way out of character for him. He was not trying to undermine me at all, but he did. And so I just realized right then, like, despite how aware one might be of all the challenges facing women, that they run deep and somewhere in there, he thought it was okay to not just interrupt, but for something so frivolous as to try to get us to laugh. He loves to make people laugh. I think it just came out without really thinking about it. And we could split hairs and people often do about, was it really because I was a woman or his wife or a stay at home mom? Yes, I do. I can't imagine ever talking over my husband in a meeting like that or any man or anyone in a meeting to tell a joke when they're in the middle of something, talking about themselves about something that's important to them. But these types of things and much, much worse happen to women at work, at school all the time. So again, we all probably have hundreds of stories like this. So how do we start to combat some of these messages in our own home for both boys and girls? So here are four tips for working with your kids and sending some messages and deprogramming the bigger messages they're going to get throughout their lives in school, through society, etc. Okay, support your children's interests no matter what they are and not just support them but offer up suggestions that are outside of gender norms. Offer dance and art and gymnastics to boys. Offer wrestling and mechanics and engineering and math to girls not just arbitrarily, but if your daughter's really strong and is always wrestling with her brothers or with her sister or trying to wrestle the other girls, make a note and see if she's interested in pursuing that. If your son is always dancing, offer that to him. Actually, one of our sons is a really talented hip-hop dancer, so he takes dance class. He's an age group ahead because he was bored in the class at his age level, and he tried out for the next one up. So he's actually in a class with almost all girls. There's sometimes one to two boys in there, but with these girls that are two and three years older than him. But he loves it and he's confident in being the only boy in class sometimes. When I was a freshman in high school, I took woodworking. I loved woodworking when it was required in eighth grade, so I decided to take it as an elective in ninth grade. I was the only female. What was a concern and that did happen to become true. I was also one of two females who graduated with a bachelor's degree in computer science the year that I graduated. So clearly I'm not afraid to face down some gender norms. Now this was something my mom and dad did really well but it was mostly my mom. My dad did want me to go into engineering of some sort though so he did push me in that direction because I was and I am extremely gifted in math so he knew I had that strength but he also wanted me to be able to be financially independent and to him being an engineer is always going to be in demand. Teach all of your kids all of your skills. Teach your boys to cook. Teach your boys to clean, to do the laundry, to organize their rooms. Teach your girls to use tools, to mow lawns, to do household fixes, and budgeting, and financing. You know, My dad taught me about real estate. I love that Julie pointed out the compliment specifically because relatives especially can be really bad about this. Always complimenting girls on their looks and asking boys what their interests are or how they're doing in school or what they like in school or what they do outside of school. We don't want to never compliment our daughters on their looks, but it is really good also to just be aware of it. How society values women on our looks and a man on his success. As a woman. I love to feel attractive. I love to feel desired. And while that basically comes from something internal, especially at this point in my life, if I put effort into putting together a cute outfit, doing my hair, putting on some makeup, because let's face it, I spend 98% of my life in workout clothes or something just kind of loungy and comfortable. So when I do that and someone notices, a girlfriend or someone else, I don't care who it is, it's nice that the effort doesn't go unnoticed by other people. When it comes to this, if we can remember to approach our kids as whole people, physical, mental, spiritual, and try to touch on all of these areas. Not all at once. Not like, oh, I just said something about their physical appearance. Now I have to talk about their mental acuities as well. You don't have to do it all in one sentence or any of that. Spread it out. It's fine. Notice it when it comes up. But it's not a bad thing to tell our daughter she looks especially pretty on a day when we're going to an event where we all dress up. Not that we're doing any of that right now. Or does her hair really nicely and puts in an effort. Or finally chooses an outfit that is weather appropriate and or actually matches. Same with our boys. When my boys reluctantly dress nice for an event, I tell them they look nice. I tell them they're handsome sometimes out of the blue when I happen to notice how pretty their eyes are or right after a haircut. So if you do it for a boy, it for a girl it's totally fine we just don't want to always tell girls they are so pretty always tell them they look nice and never tell them anything else we want a balance for everyone boys and girls the last point i want to squeeze in when it comes to those big talks that happen to affect one gender more heavily than another something like sexual assault equal rights consent to not just put the burden on that gender in most instances especially what i've talked about today that's going to be girls But we talked to our boys too. So my daughter and I, we watched the Netflix special on Taylor Swift just the other day. And I've liked her music for a long time, but I really didn't know much about her at all. She was sexually assaulted in a photograph right in front of several other people. So my daughter and I discussed what sexual assault is, I explained how prevalent it is for girls. I explained how this is a lot of women's experience. I explained how it shouldn't be this way, but unfortunately the burden is on her to protect herself. And we'll talk about that more as she gets older. Also though, the next day, I talked to both of my boys about it, about sexual assault, about what it is, about the general disrespect for women, about how some men think it's okay to do what they want without asking. We talked about respecting girls and women, what that means because my boys and my daughter have and will continue to get messages outside of our house about how we treat women and girls. If myself and their dad do not step in and give different messages than that, the messages that are important to us, they will think those other messages are just how things are and how they're done. So we have to be very proactive in sending the messages. We want them to hear about how we treat anyone, everyone, including women, minorities, those from other cultures, countries, and backgrounds than our own. So hopefully I didn't overwhelm some of you. Parenting is a huge job for sure. We are shaping and empowering the next generation. And this is no small task. If you want to learn more about sexuality in young kids, common and normal sexual behavior, and any red flags to look out for, be sure to check out the Your Developing Toddler or Preschooler class and any of the other 55 parenting classes for positive discipline, which is the very foundation for strong parenting and relationships, to the classes on raising responsible kids, our latest about teaching growth mindset, classes on education topics, development health, and modern parenting, go to the website at yourvillageonline.com. Continue to stay safe as you can so we can wipe the planet of this pandemic once and for all. Stay safe, everyone. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send an email to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day.